0: With Kevin Cerilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: The White House counter-terror event delayed while Secretary Mike Pompeo is in New York. Meanwhile, Trump's floating a tax cut, but then says it's unneeded and not emanate, imminent. Recession chatter still. All, all Wall Street, Washington seems to want to talk about the latest. From the 2020 campaign chair trail, wow. Did you see this? The DNC is planning to raise money from Americans in Mexico City, a new fundraising base. We're going to get to all of that with two friends of the program, Sari Kim, Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration, and Kevin Walling, a Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. Drive careful out there. It looks like there's a storm coming. Meanwhile, at the White House, President Donald Trump presiding over a lengthy Oval Office meeting on Monday, and he's urged, urged officials to soften the impact of recent policy moves that angered Midwestern farmers. Of course, all of this comes as the president has recalculated, so to speak, or readjusted whatever words you want to use. He shifted some of the tariffs that were going to be impacting uh, China. Uh, kicking the can down the road till December. He's delayed a Huawei decision or provided an extension, rather. And it comes amid the chatter about whether or not there will be a recession. So I want to kick things off with Sari Kim, a Republican strategist and former senior advisor in the Trump administration, as well as Kevin Walling, a Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. There can never be enough Kevs on on Bloomberg Radio. Amen. Kev. Uh, But... That said, this this lengthy White House meeting, I, I want to kind of go into it. Here's President Trump's Sari, and then I want to get your reaction to it, discussing and talking earlier today at the White House during an Oval Office Q&A about whether he is concerned if how he's negotiating with China is impacting the U.S. economy. Take a listen. I think the word recession is a word that's inappropriate because it's just a word that the... Uh the certain people I'm going to be kind to certain people and the media are trying to build up because they'd love to see a recession
1: well I agree that recession is the inaccurate word to use for two reasons. First and foremost, that word has been pushed out there because there was a one-day dip and the phraseology inverted yield curve came out. And that's important for two reasons. One, the former Federal Reserve Chair, Alan Greenspan, as well as the former Federal Reserve Chairwoman, Janet Yellen, as well as the Federal Reserve of Chicago said, an inverted yield curve does not cause a recession. So I think emotional investors and political pundits who know absolutely nothing about the inverted yield curve should take a deep breath and pause and stop using that word recession. And two, an inverted yield curve is put out there not because of the United States, but as an indicator of other economies. For instance, Germany. Tomorrow, Germany is going to issue their 30-year. There is a 0% return on their 30-year bond, and they are trading at 0.18%, right. whereas the U.S. is trading at 1.91%. So people need to stop using words to scare those who don't know anything about the markets, and everybody just needs to take a breath.
2: You know, I, I, Kev, i got to be honest here. I, I hear, Sari, and, and you don't have to have... A, a Wharton degree in economics in order to to, to pause, take a deep breath, and to, and to to look, really, at the entire picture, whether you're talking about Germany, as Sari alluded to, the UK, and, and Boris Johnson taking over in the UK, or you look at the rise of conservatism in Italy, hardliners in Italy as well. I mean, then you look at China and the Hong Kong protests. This is a global economy, whether you like it or not the notion that that just one person is leading us into a recession i mean it it goes against common sense dev
3: yeah kevin you make an excellent point that we are in fact in a global economy and i wish that is something that this president would would understand we need some clarity from this president we need some presidential leadership when it comes to the economy not these tweets that are announcements of policy changes where when it you know becomes an issue attacking his own fed chair or uh, suggesting tariffs on china these kind of presidential announcements by tweet are not something that secures a good feeling in the markets and as you rightly point out we are in a global economy and this president saying that we're doing better than others as a comparison and pointing out problems with other countries economies he doesn't understand that a rising tide on the world uh, stage lifts all boats and germany's problem is Vastly going to be our problem, and a, in an unnegotiated Brexit deal, is
2: quickly going to become our problem as well. All right. Well, th- we're going to talk about the G7 coming up. That's in a couple of days, and President Trump, he's got an ally now in Boris, <laughs> in Boris Johnson. They've got
3: they've got some similar haircuts. Yeah. Oh.
2: You know what? Not that kind of show, Kev. <laughs> that, but I, hey, for the record, Sari laughed and I didn't. I'm a journalist, folks. I'm not was a hairstylist. I surprised. I want to get back on track, Kev, and I want to play for you. And then I, 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 here's President Trump talking about China, again, inside of the Oval Office. It was a remarkable question and answer session in the Oval today. Here he is on China. Take a listen.
0: Somebody had to do something
2: with China. Obama should have done it. Bush should have done it. Clinton should have done it. They all should have done it. Nobody did it, I'm doing it. So Sari, I mean, this is the new political reality for President Trump, right? Is that because he has the White House, because we're heading into 2020, regardless of who occupies the White House, that individual, right or wrong, gets blamed for when the economy's doing really well and if we're heading into a global recession. And keyword: if we are. So what I was struck by in the last 24 hours is the floating, as we know it here inside of the Beltway, the floating that went on. The White House essentially said, well, it started on the Sunday show, so I guess we're in like 48 hours now. They're floating tax cuts. They're floating uh, waivers for environmental incentives in terms of deregulatory policies. All of this to say, hey, wait a minute. You think we're going to be headed for a recession? Let's try to do something about it. But none of this really, am I right? Right really could get done given the current political landscape in Congress.
1: Well, let's bifurcate this. Let's first start with China. China is important, and I think for us, to recalibrate the relationship, because their blistering 8% growth over the course of the last 15 years came as the United States allowed them to grow. They became the manufacturing floor, not just of the United States and of the world, and they are still a communist country, as we have seen the protest in Hong Kong evidence. But second, as it relates specifically to the R word that President Trump and I and so many people do not like, this is why it's important for Chairman Jerome Powell to get act together Mm. and really cut the interest rates because when the U.S. dollar is strong, when Germany, Italy, Japan, Japan and all of their partners have problems in the G7. I know I said Japan twice. Um, (laughs) When they have problems with their debt, it's because the U.S. dollar is strong. And when President Obama was in office from 2008 to 2015, the interest rate was below 1%. We are above 2%. Jerome Powell is the only Fed chair. When he talks, the market tanks by hundreds of points. Don't talk, Jerome. Don't talk. <laughs> wow. It, Sarah, Sarah, just,
2: Sarah, just, don't. Okay, listen, I don't even have to play this sound, body, given that <laughs> Sari Kim kind of just, just said what President Trump said. But, but Kevin, I want to get your reaction to what <laughs> Let's Republicans... Play. Wait, wait. Yeah. I want to play for you what President sure. Trump said in the Oval today about Fed Chair Jay Powell. And really, I mean, Sari, that going President Trump? I almost said it the other way around, but I corrected. I'm not president. Here, <laughs> here's President Trump talking about the central bank. Take a listen. I'd like to see a cut in the Fed rate because that should have happened a long time ago. I think they're being very tardy and not doing it and not having done it sooner. they raised too quickly. I got to be honest. That was actually a little a little more soft spoken than Sari was in <laughs> the attacks on the central I'm bank. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, Nerds are welcome here on BloombergSound. Kevin, why, why are we hearing people like Republican strategists like Sari and President Trump so vehemently go after the central bank?
3: Well, they need a boogeyman for all of this. And, and to, to Sarah's point, you know, Democrats and President Obama inherited an, an economy in shambles. Of course, it was at 1% when it started, but it was much higher when he left office because of the economic gains that we saw throughout those eight years. We created more jobs in the last 29 months of the Obama-Biden administration than the first 29 months of the Trump administration. So President Obama, I'd love to compare uh, economic standing of President Obama and President Trump uh, any day because of the, the great economic growth that we've seen that this president inherited and that he is squandering by this needless uh, uh, tariff wars with China uh, with this uh, $1.5 trillion uh, tax cut that mostly benefited the, the wealthy that now economists say the economy has absorbed all of the gains from that tax cut. And now they're talking about even more tax cuts. I mean, come on, give me a break here.
2: All right. Well, coming up, we're going to talk more about the global economy. We're going to provide a preview of the upcoming G7, which is set to begin in France in just a couple of days. Then we'll take you out back home on the 2020 campaign trail. Some new polls out. Good news for Joe Biden. All of that with an all-star panel. Sari Kim, Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration, and Kevin Walling, a Democratic strategist. Now he works at hg creative media we're nerding out here drive safe make sure you've got your windshield wipers on you can download the bloomberg <laughs> sound on podcast on apple itunes at bloomberg.com or by downloading the bloomberg business app you can also find me on radio.com iheart and spotify
0: you're listening to bloomberg sound on with kevin cirilli on bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 fm hd2
2: I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're talking all things global politics with an all-star panel, Sari Kim, a Republican strategist. She's been everywhere lately. Every time I look up and see Fox Business or Fox News on, there's Sari. Congrats, you're everywhere, Sari. She's former senior advisor in the Trump administration. Kevin Walling's here, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. Earlier, we talked about whether or not there's going to be a recession and the debate and how that, regardless of of where you come down on that particular point, it has really clouded the domestic political debate, at least for right now, in the United States. But in just a few short days, the G7, the Group of Seven, will convene in France. French President Emmanuel Macron will welcome the Italians, the U.S., Japan, Germany, Canada, and the UK. And my, oh my, Sari, I'm looking at those countries and it is remarkable just to see really the differences in all of those economies. Just from the U.S. perspective, you know, you're looking in Canada, will USMCA get ratified in the fall? You're looking mm-hmm. at Germany, the auto tariffs and the threats for that. The Japanese, obviously... The, the trade policies that have been going on there. You look at Italy, the rise of conservatism, France, Macron and Trump haven't necessarily got along. And now Boris Johnson in the UK who's negotiating uh – on, on Brexit, it's, it, this, is a, this is a lot of implications. What are you going to be watching for with the G7? I'm going to look at three
1: things. Well, first, since we mentioned Boris, he put his four-pager in for his ideas on how to wind out of Brexit, and it was rejected out of hand. So I think in two months, it's just not going to happen. So we really need to see whether President Trump and Boris Johnson are going to come with their bilateral trade deal. Two, as it relates to Japan, they're in midst of a fierce trade war with South Korea. Yeah. I think most people don't realize how contentious that relationship is over thousands of years. It's gotten so bad where people in South Korea won't even post on social media that they bought or ate a Japanese product. Wow. So we really have to figure out since Shinzo Abe just got reelected
2: what he's going to do. It's like when we used to call French fries freedom fries. Yes.
1: (laughs) And three, Italy. I did
2: that, by the way. I called (laughs) it. And you know me. I eat a lot. You guys both know. I I eat a lot of fries. We do.
1: We do. And then three, Italy. I mean... Italy today, it's a like mass. the best, worst political reality show ever. Their prime minister essentially quits, gets, <laughs> gets kicked out by the interior minister who is sitting next to him while he gives a speech and says, you are a terrible human being. I mean, drama, because Italy still has to present their, uh, their finances over to Brussels in October. How are they going to present a financial picture of the fiscal future right. of Italy if there's no leadership?
2: Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. I mean, Sari and I just kind of laid it out for folks. If you're getting in your car on your way home from work today in this torrential downpour, please, everybody, drive safe. It, 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 it's, Europe is such a—I mean, the G, and not just Europe, but the G7 countries as a whole. Collectively, there's just—it's a mess. What should the top-line view be? Here we are staring down— Uh, debate as to whether or not there will be a recession in the next two years or 24 months and these world leaders the stakes truthfully have never been higher
3: Listen, Kev, I mean, as we were talking about earlier, I mean, if a recession – and I know Siri doesn't want to use that word, and I don't want to use that word because I I am rooting for this economy. Every Democrat is rooting for this economy. Uh, But if it happens to us, it's going to happen based on uh, a ripple effect from overseas with China, with Germany, as Siri just mentioned, with the Brexit, uh, hard Brexit in in October uh, with the United Kingdom. Interestingly enough, the the key thing that I'm looking at is – President Trump's announcement that he thinks that Russia should be readmitted to the G7 to make it, again, once again, the G8. Of course, they were removed after the annexation of Crimea from Ukraine uh, under the previous administration when they all voted to uh, remove and sanction uh, Russia as part of that. So th- that, to me, is the fascinating kind of uh, interplay that's happening before this meeting on the, that starts on the 24th and, and goes for two days in France.
2: You know, I, on the issue of Russia, because uh, this did just happen— the president has floated whether or not to include Russia in the G7. He says, "quote, I think it's more appropriate to have Russia in. It should be the G8 because a lot of the things we talk about have to do with Russia." End quote. That was from President Trump earlier today. Uh, but but regardless, I mean, China's not in there. Uh, but regardless of of whether or not Russia's in or out, what are some of the top agenda items and, and Sari that you'll be looking for? That, that will be discussed when Emmanuel Macron of France welcomes in these countries?
1: Uh, two things, but first I will say, I don't believe that the G7 is relevant anymore. I mean, the whole point, I mean, that's probably the one thing that I would ever say that Putin said correctly to Macron the other day. I mean, what's the point of the G7 when 90% of the world's economy is with the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and they're not there? You know, and I think that's what President Trump is getting at, but the but two back th- to the, yeah, no, no, yeah, no but, totally. Yeah, so, but Let's, so the two yeah. things that I'm really looking for is one, what is the one thing President Trump needs to accomplish with China for the half of the third tranche of tariffs to not go into effect? And I think that's agriculture. And he needs to make it clear so the markets can stabilize for everybody.
2: I.e., he needs to provide inroads to to some of these European countries that he'll be able to sell agricultural products. That's big, folks, because, look, we talk about trade every day on the show, and Sarah's making a, a, a fascinating point. The president could get a win if he goes to these countries and can come back home and tell these agricultural states, hey, I just opened up the markets. So, yes, you're getting pain in the short term with regards to China and how China is retaliating, but we're opening up markets and making inroads in other countries. So farming is your is yeah. your number one. What's and number the SEC
1: two? is all things technology related. Yeah. I mean, the EU is having convolutions over GAFA, over Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple. They wanna tax them, they wanna investigate them. France in they want, Yeah, France in particular. And Made in China 2025 is China's own version of that. And that has been a root issue between Peter Navarro and the negotiators with the Chinese, this technology, forced technology transfer, intellectual property. So the G7 needs to figure out what is their goal when it comes to
2: tech and meanwhile, are we gonna are we gonna tax them or are we gonna help them meanwhile the uh europeans and the u.s are not on the same page when it comes to china's state run i'm sorry to china's faway coming up later on in the program we're going to head out to the 2020 campaign trail new polls out and it looks good for former vice president Joe Biden looks a lot better than this wild weather that's going on outside. Everybody, if you're driving, please drive safe. Panel stays. Sari Kim, Republican strategist. Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify.
0: Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: Storm clouds ripping through Washington, D.C. Torrential downpour, raining and cats and dogs. Please drive safe, buckle up, pull over if you can't see what's in front of you. And be careful out there. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent of Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio here with me for the hour, Sari Kim, Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration. Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. Sari, you're also a freelance uh, reporter, travel reporter, and I understand that you have a piece out recently, a couple of pieces out recently, but tell us about your most recent one.
1: Gosh, I write so many. I don't know which one, <laughs> well, one? Um, so I just So uh, I just did a piece for ABC on the places you should go for Labor Day weekend.
2: Where should people go for Labor Day weekend?
1: Uh, I'm actually going to St. Lucia with oh. Travel oh, St. Wow. Lucia. <laughs> wow. <Let's laughs> for their Root and Soul I'm going, I'm going to
3: Dover, Delaware. <laughs> hey,
1: and Joe Biden well, station. let yeah. me just say I'm going by myself and I will be with 31 people who just got married because that's who goes to St. Lucia. So. All right. Yeah. All
2: right. Well, you know, I always look I always like to see what other people's side hustle and hobbies are, yes. and I have to say that your your travel and leisure pieces, I'm like, wow, that is a genius, genius Total way. life
1: hack, because yeah. I also review restaurants too. Genius. All <laughs>
2: right. Well, let's get back into the 2020 campaign season. There was a new poll out. Did you guys see this new poll?
1: I
3: did.
2: And Joe Biden expanding his lead, expanding his lead, and Senator Kamala Harris, Kev, dipping back down to 5% in this CNN poll. I'm pulling up the poll now, but why? And I'll, I'll read you the numbers once we get the poll in front of me. But why do you think Kevin Walling that Joe Biden is he the new Teflon Don of the Democrats?
3: Yeah, I think so. And funny enough, I was with the former Vice President Dr. Biden on Friday back in Delaware. They uh, hosted a small reception and introduced my folks to him and, and spent some time with him. And I, and I think his, you know, I think his lead is is pretty in, enduring as we're seeing. You know, that you have some fluctuations with debates, and we saw a little bit of a dip. Um, after the first debate performance in Miami. Uh, but he's regained uh, and actually gained some territory over the rest of the field. Interestingly enough, as you point out, Kev, the, the real uh, uh, striking number has been Senator Kamala Harris's kind of fall from grace after that first debate performance in Miami, where she, she kind of gave it to the former the vice president. Beat. Yeah, she, she was as high as 15, 16 uh, percent nationwide, and now she's back down to 5 percent. Again, you know, we've got six months to Iowa. There's going to be a lot of fluctuations. But you know, I think it, it shows just how enduring the former vice president's support among primary goers is. And and we know this to be the case because, you know, when you poll Democratic primary voters, their number one goal is to see Donald Trump replaced. And again, the argument that the vice president is making is one of viability.
2: All right. So I got the poll in front of me, Sari. I'm, I'm, re- I'm crunching the numbers. Joe Biden, I'm reading from the CNN poll. Joe Biden has expanded his edge over the Democratic field in a new CNN poll. With 29% of Democratic and Democratic-leaning registered voters, he's increased his lead seven points compared with the late June CNN survey. He's got a double-digit lead. You look at number two and three, it's Bernie Sanders at 15%, Elizabeth Warren at 14%. And, and, you know, I I was talking about this earlier with some strategists uh, on air earlier today, and, and I spent some time with some staffers of the Biden campaign over the weekend when I was with Chicky Cirilli, by the way. Happy birthday, Happy Chicky. Happy birthday. birthday. Happy today. birthday. Today is her actual birthday. We the pride of Delco right there. We, we celebrated over the weekend. But when I was talking with some Biden campaign staffers, they're headquartered in Philadelphia. And it was it was almost as if they were starting to say, look, everybody knows that he's going to make gaffes. Everybody knows that he's going to, to speak uh, and maybe slip up on his words. The American voters understand that and that some of these Democrats are overreaching when they try to go after him. And candidly, Sarah, I was having flashbacks because Trump world was saying the same thing about Donald Trump when it was a crowded field as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what Senator Harris showed was that she's not ready for prime time. I mean, she can hit back but she can't take a hit. And Joe Biden, whatever we say about Uncle Joe, he's been around, he's gaffe-prone, he's awkward. He's that guy at Thanksgiving that you sit next to and you're like, oh, that's so funny, right? But at the end of the day, there's going to be a matchup between President Donald Trump, who is aggressive, energetic, and has ideas. And Uncle Joe Biden, the former vice president, and the Democratic Party needs to decide whether he can match up for six months. With you know Donald who's Trump.
2: really, really doing a slow and steady, maybe she's hoping will win the race? Senator Elizabeth <laughs> Warren. I mean, I got to be honest. I've covered her since virtually, her seriously, her first day as a member of the Senate Banking Committee. And seeing her not only ascend to this level of prominence within the Democratic Party, but also to ascend with her ideology ingrained now in the Democratic Party platform has been remarkable. And she's enjoying it. And to that point, take a listen to what she had to say out on the campaign trail on Tuesday morning. Here's Senator Elizabeth Warren Warren out on the trail. Take a listen. This is like a dream. I spent so much of my life studying what was broken and looking at what we could do to fix it and now I get to talk about it all the time! I love it! (laughs) She's a, she's okay. I mean, I'm not. I am not trying to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form. She's a professor. Like she, yeah, she's, she's a happy a policy warrior. Yeah. I mean, she is gonna d- Woodrow that... Wilson the Democratic Party.
1: <laughs> that woman that. with that voice and her ideas and her policy platforms. I read them all: the rural one, the hedge fund one, the healthcare one, all of her policy positions, and what she wants is to fundamentally relitigate the
2: American dream of the 18th she century.
3: Make it fair for everybody. Right. Her enthusiasm up, up. is infectious. Listen, we
2: I, we gotta, you know, I, I gotta be honest. She's running this campaign just exact. If you've covered her and you know her, this is who she is. So like, she is just being herself out on the campaign trail. Coming up, three things on our radar. I'll give you a hint. Marianne Williamson is one of those things on our radar.
0: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. We are setting specific timelines for the administrator in the next 60 days uh, to uh, the designation of an office and submission of a plan uh, for sustainable lunar surface exploration and the development of crewed missions to Mars. That
2: was Vice President Mike Pence Chairing the sixth meeting of the National Space Council in Chantilly, Virginia, saying that the administration is committed to expanding space exploration. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio, a total devout space nerd, by the way. And this has become one of my favorite segments that we do on this show What's on your radar? No, that didn't even make it today, but that is definitely very much always on my radar, space travel. Uh, Sari Kim's here, Republican strategist and former senior advisor in the Trump administration. Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. We do this segment because in, in the print media world, where I come from, uh, we always do empty out your notebook. So what's on your radar? What's in your notebook? What's one thing that you are following that is not dominating the headlines or getting as much attention as you think should i will kick it off i actually have two but because i host the show i'm gonna i'm gonna get to do do. marianne williamson qualified for the debate everybody marianne williamson qualified for the third presidential debate september 12th in houston houston texas I've predicted this all along. Everybody laughed. I've interviewed every, if you've listened to the show, I said she's going to qualify. She is absolutely qualified. Her message is resonating. It's a different type of message. And Sari, I'm not surprised at all. U.S. Department of Peace. And this is a form of soft power. Kevin Walling, you're laughing.
3: I'm I just smiling there, there
2: have been, no <laughs> Kevin, there have been initiatives like the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. There have been very, if you believe that that uh, the United States democracy is a form of good and can empower uh, underprivileged nations and third world countries. I mean she is repackaging soft power, rebranding rather soft power for for a, a new type of an, uh, of an American voter.
1: I love that she had this massive support network based upon her books and her beliefs that have come out in droves, and she is on the stage. Ben Carson did that. Ben Carson did <laughs> this,
2: did a very similar uh, pitch in terms of activating uh, a book a book community. It's a built in support system. So, Marianne Williamson is going to be on the debate stage, whether you like it or not. That's what's one of the things on my radar. Sari, what's on your radar?
1: I think the implosion of the National Rifle Association is critical, oh. especially as a Republican
2: have <laughs> you just, followed this I mean because so Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, just to get the everyone up to speed, has said he's going to take up some type of mental health or gun control gun reform type of legislation when lawmakers return back from recess. Meanwhile, the NRA is like in, in a free fall, folks are resigning what's the latest? That's basically it. Folks are
1: resigning. The board is resigning. And Wayne LaPierre, the, the president of the NRA, he is having a serious audit of massive millions of dollars worth of fraud on hardworking people who, who literally scrimp $10 a month to give over to the membership so that their Second Amendment rights are protected. And he allegedly was trying to get the NRA to rent or buy a $6 million mansion in, in Texas. Dallas, yeah. where I am I from. Shame.
2: <laughs> Up This August recess at the NRA, which has been incredibly quiet following the three shootings that have really just gripped the attention of of America. I was, like I said, in Philadelphia over the weekend and everyone is still talking, as they should be, about that horrific shooting of police officers just the other day. All right. So that's very much on your radar. It's on my radar as well, Sari. Kev, what's on your radar?
3: On my radar, and, and we saw this today again in the Oval Office, as you, as you point out, um, are the ongoing tensions between Representative uh, Omar and Talib uh, and, and the president. It's kind of layered a layered another uh, interesting factor with the upcoming uh, Israeli elections with pre- you know, President uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu, uh, and the dynamics in Israel uh, with them being barred uh, and the president encouraging two sitting members of, of Congress to be barred from a, another democracy is, is really fascinating to me. There's going to be a little bit of a split, I think, uh, in the Democratic Party. You're seeing kind of Representatives Omar and Tlaib uh, take on Israel, which I don't think is a smart tact for the Democrats in Congress uh, to do. But, you know, we need to have some oversight of the $3 billion we give in military aid uh, to the state of Israel each year. And that's the point they're trying to make.
2: Well, they're not doing a good job of making it. I think that everyone I agree. would agree. So that's on your radar. That's it for me. I'm Kevin Cerilli Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV, Bloomberg Radio. Thank you, Sari. Thank you, Kevin. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.